Bruchim Abayim B'Shem Hashem B'Rachnuchim Beis Hashem. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir, which hopefully Mitzvah Hashem will be able to finish this year if our voice holds out. Weather changing doesn't help in New York. Tonight's shir, of course, is in the memory of Eliza Shalamis. Also, in the memory of a young lady. Hello, Scranton. Welcome, Scranton. A memory of a young lady that just passed away, uh, Miriam Shoshana Basavram Yaakov. Miriam Shoshana Basavram Basavram Yaakov. Um, she unfortunately the young lady that was under the care of Hamaspik and Sarina um, Godel she just went into cardiac arrest she be good to better for Klai Yisrael. But this job, this week, we actually cannot talk like this. We have to talk happy. This is a Shabbos, which as we spoke. Pashas Bereshis has its creation of the world. And then the things that go on in Bereshis that are not so exciting. Neyach, of course, the flood. Lech Lecha. We start traveling with Avraham Avinu. So now Simcha starts, Vayera is even happier. Vayera Hashem el Avram. Vayera el Hashem, excuse me. Vayera el Hashem, it doesn't say el Avram. It doesn't say the Almighty showed himself, revealed himself to Avram, it showed himself to him. To him, to his Metzias. To him, to his existence. It's also... To note, as far as the dates are concerned, tonight is today was Tezvov Lachedish Cheshvan, Tezvov is Tiyarab Musa, when the moon is its fullest, a full moon represents great things for the Yidin, as Yidin are compared to the Levana, and as we live according to this lunar cycle, the lunar calendar. Therefore, being Tezvav Bachedesh, when the moon is full, it's obviously a very, very big thing. It's a full bracha for Klal Yisrael. Welcome, Atlanta. And Friday is Yud Zayin Cheshvan. As we all remember, Yud Zayin Cheshvan is a very wonderful date in the Jewish history, in the world's history. It's the day that the Mabel began. I'd like to reach out and call out to Yaakov Yeshua Avram, Yaakov Yeshua Avrachemendel, on his birthday in Zion, Cheshvan, and of course anyone else's Halevi, and anyone else's birthdays and Simchas that are taking place, Baruch Hashem, Ken Yirbu V'Ken Yifreitzu. There are two stories that I'm going to have to tell this week. And believe it or not, I find myself bewildered and befuddled in my own right 
when I listen to Pashurim, I sometimes listen just to see where I'm not translating properly or not translating at all, not correcting, not clarifying things. I noticed that the last few weeks, I think, the Shir is always prepared, obviously, but they've prepared a story of some sort, and I noticed I haven't told any stories. Baruch Hashem, the Pashas are very, very rich, and there's so much to talk about. But it would be amiss not to discuss, of course, the famous story of Pashas Vayera. Another date which is upon us in the near, very near future is Chof Cheshvin. Chof Mar Cheshvin, the birthday of the Rebbe Rashab, the founder of Seymchit And the story goes, the famous story which is said, written in the Hayom Yom, and we all listen to it and get a little smile on our face, a little smirk, a little gleam in our eyes from the story, as it's a catchy story. When the Rebbe Rashab was three, was four or five years old, yes, it couldn't be more than five, because some of Tzedek passed away already when he was five, after he turned five. So he had to be four of maximum, three and a half, of, uh, three and a half and five. Either four or five, actually, it was his birthday, Chav Cheshun. And his mother, Rabbi Tzadipka, took him into the Tzamaf Tzedek for his birthday, for a bracha. And he was already learning Siddur and Chumash. He was learning already. Little boy, but he was advanced. And in general, in those days, they didn't retard the children's education like they do today, unfortunately. They don't hinder... But they hinder today's education of the children and the five best years of a child's life is preschool. Children at three years old learning alphabet, learning how to read already. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing overpowering, nothing overwhelming. Little kinderlocks' minds are like sponges and they absorb anything you teach them. And if it's taught related properly, the world is limitless for them. As a matter of fact, languages the child can pick up at that age are just incredible. So this little boy that I remember, Shab, as a little boy, went into his grandfather his grandfather Tzemotzedek, and he began to cry. And the Tzemotzedek said, Yingele, Shalomki was veins too. Why are you crying, my child? And he said, Hashem, Hashem revealed himself to him, revealed himself to Avraham Avinu, but not to us. He doesn't reveal himself to us. Why? Why doesn't he reveal himself to us? Needless to say, the question was not a trick question. The question was not something to laugh about. It was actually a very, very potent and powerful question to which the Semach actually replied to the child in a loving, caring way. 
And he says to the child, My kind, Ayid, to 99 years old, a Jew, 99 years old, Yizich Mala, gives himself a bris mila. Does he not deserve the Almighty should reveal himself to him? Meridik. There's another gisa to the story. Another way that the story is told, which is Ayida Tzadik to 99 Tzadik a righteous Jew. So the question, first question that was asked when we had two different Neschoyes as the answer is why don't you ask the Rebbe Rashab what he was told Tzamech Tzedek told it to him ask him what did Tzamech Tzedek say did he say Ayyid or did he say Ayyid Tzadik and the Rebbe Rashab's answer is very simple Look at the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story says, I was four years old. Hello? You really want me to remember? Seriously. You want me to remember? Four years old, that's a little boy. No. The people told me. People that were there. Repeated to me the story. Tired Eden. This happens to be an ongoing problem today. An ongoing problem today. And that problem being that there are many stories of tzaddikim. We are brought up and raised our amuna, our belief in God is fortified by stories of tzaddikim. And because we're not hearing them from the tzaddik himself, there's a little problem in that they get twisted, they get distorted, they're not the original source. But you know what? They're very, very close to the original source. The stories basically that the Chassidim, the elder Chassidim, gave down from one generation to the next, basically are clear to us. But you know where the problem lies? Not in the story, in the translation. People decide... We know for a fact the story of a tzaddik has a lesson in our life. And we need to take the lesson if we hear a story for a tzaddik. Stories of the Bashemtiv constantly were lessons to us. What the Bashemtiv meant by the words he said how the Baal expressed himself, etc.
but not everybody can translate a dream. Not everybody can drive a double tractor trailer. Stories of tzaddikim all have powerful messages, and not everybody is the master storyteller that can weave a translation. This story of the Tzemach Tzedek with the Rebbe Rashab to show us how important and how relevant every word of the Tzadikim are is because there are two Nishoyes because some people say that the Rebbe said Ayid, a regular Jew at 99 years old and some people say that the Rebbe said a Jew at Tzadik at 99 years old so the Rebbe says that he heard from the Fidik Rebbe, his father-in-law, his predecessor, an explanation as to why there are two Nishos. And each Nusach has its own right, right and lesson. How powerful, how rich is that? That a story which is, it could have been told this way, and it could have been said this way, but if it's words quoted from a tzaddik, they both have lessons for us in our daily life. Which is, in simple, in essence, a yid, a general, a Jew in his own right, at 99 years old, decides to make and have a bris mila, to do something drastic, to tweak to improve his service and connection to God. He's been doing everything right all these years, but now he wants to do something to improve on that. He's 99, he's not yet 100. At 100, the Mishnah tells us, may save a bottle in At 100, the person already has a different status in which they stand at. But here at 99, he had not yet completed that. It's close, but no cigar. And therefore he's lacking a tweak. He's lacking a little bump. Says this Yid, the simple Yid at 99, that I want to improve my connection and therefore I do the Bismillah. So we see that every single Jew has the potential to always improve and to step up his game, as we say, and to do one better than he had been doing until this point. On the other hand, if it was a Yidat Tzadik, a Yidat Tzadik that said this, then the Yidat Tzadik said, I've done everything the way I have to do it. And I look back in retrospect and I have no regrets. I look back in retrospect, in retrospect and I say, I've done everything right. But, but, 
he still says, as a tzaddik, I have to constantly work on myself. I need to constantly improve. I need to constantly do something that will make my hashlama, my full connection to God. So therefore, whether it be the Yid tzaddik, whether it be the simple Yid, each part of the story has a lesson in our Avedis Hashem, how we need to improve what we are doing, what our status is, and what we are becoming. In today's, as we said, today's day and age, stories are in the plenty. Out of the tens of thousands of stories that we hear from the Rebbe, there's, I don't want to say how many times more, stories that we don't hear. How many hundreds of millions of stories, miracles, that happened just by dollars, the Rebbe giving out dollars. As the Rebbe handed out dollars to people, and one word that the Rebbe happened to say, or even as we told the story of the woman that got two dollars after Gimel Thomas, in the, her change in the supermarket, because she knew that she was pregnant, and she always went for a dollar when she became pregnant. And she found, and so in, in, in her change in the supermarket, she found two dollars, and was blessed to give birth to two, two babies, to two twins. Hence we find stories that take place that we don't even know that they happened. This is a story I've told already. But today my son tells me he received an email from a person, not a Chabad Chosid. Not a Lubavitcher. And he received an email from him with this story. And therefore he had to send it to me. And if I receive this story today, then I feel I need to share it today. Take another one. There was a quarter in there instead of a dollar. The story different than I've ever than I heard it a little bit. But that's not anyone's fault. How many did you take? A Holocaust survivor came to America. And as many, many others, didn't say, Rebbeinu Shalom, I love you. Rebbeinu Shalom, you saved us. We survived the ovens. And therefore, anything that you could possibly ask, we want to do. Samarkand, yeah. 
but rather he came to America and he said, I don't want my children to be subjected to what I was. I don't want my children to, God forbid, go through a holocaust like this. I don't want them to be affiliated in any which way, form or fashion so that nobody should ever say that they're Jewish and do to them what was done to us now. And therefore, when he's blessed with a little boy, he didn't even give his son a bismillah. No. The little boy grew up in Brooklyn, New York. And in Brooklyn, New York, you tend to meet a lot of people. And he was hanging out with a bunch of friends in Brooklyn, New York, in the Crown Heights section, actually. And um, they heard, there's a rabbi not far, who stands on Sunday and gives out free money. That sounds good. Could always use an extra buck. So they came to 770. They got online. This is funny. And they got in front of the Rebbe. They're laughing. And this boy, his friends get the dollar, and he gets a dollar. And the Rebbe calls him back. He says, tell me, did you have a British? He says, no. You never have a British? He says, no. He says, give me back the dollar. The Rebbe told him, give me back the dollar. You have a British, I'll give it to you. Alright. Well, told the story a little breach. So it takes away the thunder of the actual story. P.S. This boy grew up and got married. Nice Jewish girl. Not affiliated. Unfortunately to him, when they had a little boy, his wife insisted they had, he has a bris, even though he doesn't. And unfortunately for him, and much to his chagrin, his son, his proud pride and joy, met other Jewish boys, and unlike he and his friends, that were stickball friends, and running in the streets, this boy had friends that were religious Jews. And the religious Jews rubbed off on him.
And one day he told his father, I'm going off to Yeshiva. He went to Yeshiva, came from, and um, as he grew up, he was offered a shidduch, beautiful shidduch, and we agreed. And he had a bris. And he had a, uh, a wedding date. He calls his father. Dad, I'm getting married. This is good for you, my son. I'm not coming. He said, what are you talking about? You're not coming. I have no patience for your religious shenanigans. For your whole religious mishigas. I'm not coming. How can you do this to me? Listen here, son. I love you dearly. I'll do anything in the world for you. But I'm not coming to the wedding. You're not subjecting me to that. The whole Kupa thing, the rabbi's thing, it's not happening. Son was devastated, but he said, Dad, you said you'd do anything for me? He said, Yes, son, I'd do anything for you, but I'm not coming to your wedding. He said, Dad, I want you to have a bris. He says, What? He says, You didn't have a bris. I want you to have a bris. You said you'd do anything for me. That's not what I meant. That's not, it's exaggerated. It's overdoing it. Dad, one thing you always taught me, you have to be a man of your word. You say something, you commit to something, you have to be a man of your word. How can you back out? You just told me you do anything. Because you know what? You're right. You got me. I'm going to have a bris. He arranges with a male hospital, and they give him a bris. As we said before, with Avraham Avinu, it changed something when he had the bris. It was a new connection that he had with God with his bris. And this man didn't change it. Myself is in Lebanon, and this is what Avraham Avinu set forth for us, and this is how this man was as well. He had a change of heart. He said, you know what? I'm coming to the wedding. We came to the wedding, and he put on a yarmulke, and he saw the simcha, the joy, the true joy that his friend, the friends of his son were having. And how much his friends, his son's friends, wanted his son to be happy. This is his happy night. How far they were going, how much they were doing for him. He just got caught up in it. He got caught up in it and he started to dance also. He got caught up in it, he was in the wave of the whole spirit of the thing. Not even having to say the chai and not having to take a drink. 
just from the air. He got caught up in the air, and he too was totally, totally entrenched in the Simcha. Finally, music stopped for a break. He sat down exhausted. A man came over to him, total stranger. I hear you're the father of the chosen. And he exuberantly, in, in, in ecstasy, yes, I am the father of the chosen. And he's saying it very proudly, very loudly. Man says, I must tell you, I'm inspired by you. I see the yarmulke is not natural on your head. You're not wearing tzitzis. As a matter of fact, this is a black hat affair. And you're not wearing a black hat either. So I see that you obviously don't really feel, or you didn't feel, that you belong here. But yet, but yet you're doing it. Yet you're living it, and yet you're enjoying it, and you're... I'm so inspired by you. I want to give you a gift. Something that I never in my life imagined I would ever part with. But I feel that you deserve it, if anybody deserves this. This is a dollar I received from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Rabbi Schneerson. On Eastern Parkway, with a bracha, a blessing, I want you to have this dollar. <laughs> and the man takes the dollar, trembles and falls to the ground. He faints. Everybody gets hysterical. Chosen's father fainted. My dollar. <laughs> it's my dollar from the Rebbe. And he faints again. And we finally wake him up and he comes back to himself and he says, he tells the story. The Rebbe took back my dollar and said, when I have a bris, he'll give it to me. And now that I had a bris, he sent me the dollar. This is what we're learning in today's Tanya as well, in the last two, day, two days. The life of a tzaddik lives on. In this world, more when he's not in the world than when he is in the world. Let us turn focus now that we told some stories. Oh yeah, <laughs> Huh? I got back my voice, thank God. 
to our wonderful Pasha. Our exciting, exciting live Pasha. With questions through the roof. I know I don't like doing this delving on the beginning of the Pasha. I like to always go to the middle or the end of the Pasha. Especially since the beginning and the end of this Pasha is so, so full and rich. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. That first visit, Vayera Elov Hashem. It doesn't say he showed himself to Avram, it says he showed himself to him, to his entire essence, to his entire Matthias. And the Almighty comes to visit Avram Avinu. It's an extremely, excruciatingly hot day. Why was it so hot? Meitzi Hashem Minartik, the Abishta remove the sun from its cover. In Isaiah it says that the sun is in a cover. Because the world cannot take the extreme light and heat that the sun can actually give off. Therefore, the Almighty put it in a cover. And the light is actually reserved for the days of Mashiach. It's the same sun as you covered in the first day. Yeah. Well, didn't take it away. It's covered. No, it's the sun. It's the same sun. From yes. The Different stories, how, what, during marble time, during this time, that there. Anyway, the Almighty took out the sun from its cover for a few reasons. First of all, the healing powers the sun has. Avram was on the third day of the bris, which is very painful, excruciatingly painful. And therefore, The Almighty sent the sun to heal him. I wanted to do it right. So he gave the full sun's potency. And secondly, more important, the Almighty was very concerned with the rum. 99 years old. He just had a bris. All that rum wants to do is greet and dine and wine his guests. Take a break. Sit back. Doesn't happen. Avram is in pain with the fact that he doesn't have any guests. In the meantime, the Almighty comes to him to to visit the sick on his third day after the bris, where he's in tremendous, excruciating pain. Vayar says the Tera as he's talking to the Almighty. Avram Venus saw Shlesha Nashim. Three men. And we know he picked himself up and said, Excuse me, God, I gotta deal with my guests. And he runs towards the guests. The Ramam writes, from here we learn how it's greater to greet guests than to receive the Shechina, the Almighty Himself. He saw, and there were three people. From the Ramam, in other words, is telling us, that from this story, we learn this out. We learn out, that 
receiving guests are greater than talking to the Almighty. Woo! That's a little awkward. The first of all, the fact that Avram leaves God to go greet his guests, that in itself we see is a great thing, But where do we see from the Posik Vayar, that that's the story that, that this talks about Achnasa Sarkin? And the Rambam doesn't say the words Vayar, etc. He just said Vayar, and from that he's deriving the how great Achnasa Sarkin, how important, thank you very much, Achnasa Sarkin is. Excuse me. We need to explain this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you record what To explain this. That even Achnasa Sarkim, the bottom line, only is learnt out from the rest of the Pasuk. The fact that he goes and he greets them and he brings them in. Where do we see this from Vihine Shleisha Hanashim? Let us remember, it's in the oven, Leibish. In the oven, take out it from the oven, please. Let us recall, it says, The Almighty now revealed Himself to Him, to His entire essence. How is it possible that while talking to the Almighty, I mean, you know what? Picture yourself talking to the holiest or the most important person that you know. I can't tell you, picture yourself talking to the Rebbe. You may never have seen the Rebbe. So you can't picture what it would be like to do so. Think of the most important person that you know. The most revered person that you know. And talk to him, you're talking to him. <clears throat> Would you say, excuse me, I see somebody on the side? Excuse me, I gotta talk to somebody else? Of course not. Avram Avinu is holding court with who? With the Almighty, with Melech Malchem, he's sitting and talking to God. God came to visit him. Never mind is a visitor, a regular visitor, and you're being rude and you're walking away to go see somebody else. He was talking to God. He was talking, God Himself revealed Himself, His entire essence. How is it possible that He developed ADD or something and saw people coming? 
How is his attention not totally focused on God? It's the fact that he did stop. Excuse me. Let us focus on Shemana Esrei. When one davens Shemana Esrei, one must be constant, must concentrate on his Shemana Esrei totally. He may not think of anything else. <laughs> he may not look out of the siddur, and if he's going to not look in his siddur, he has to keep his eyes closed. Halakhically, as kids, we do terrible things. One of the worst pranks that we pulled was somebody was about to start Shmanesha in Mincha, of course. Couldn't be Shachas because we couldn't talk. He's about to start Mincha Shmanesha. And we told him, when you get to the Lamashina Malti Sigma, don't think about purple monkeys. So we said, when you get to the machine, don't think about purple monkeys. Needless to say, nobody davened They waited for this guy to davened And you didn't have to know where he was looking in the city because you saw all of a sudden he started laughing. <laughs> he started laughing, you know he was holding the machine. And purple monkeys are running up and down his city. Terrible thing. But we were kids. And so if a person he has to see himself like the Shekhinah is in front of him. So much more so in this case where he's actually talking to God, and God revealed Himself to him. Where does this come from? Therefore we have to say, that from here we learn out, On that moment that he was sitting with Bnei Ashkina, but he still, he stopped, because he saw three people. Not just he saw them, but he was affected by these three people and therefore Vayaras the Krasam. So Rambam does not have to say etc. Because the actual thing we learn out from, we learn out from he saw the three people. The fact that he saw the three people was only because Achnasus Arachim is such a big mitzvah. Otherwise, how could he possibly have seen them while he was talking to the Abishta? Just want to jump to the end of the parasha. We know not chilasim b'seifim b'seifim b'tchilasim. Beginning and end of everything in Teda are connected. In that case, we take Pasha Vayero and we start with Vayero Ilav Hashem and the last words of the Pasha is V'esmacho 
So we, how does this fit the beginning and the end of the parsha? Can you shut him up? In the beginning of the parsha, it tells about the revelation of the Almighty Tavram Avinu. How? With his bris milah. But this did not happen only Tavram. But rather, The Almighty revealed Himself, Davke, a place that was Mamre Amedi. The place that He gave Him the Eitzah on how to give Mila, how to do Mila. So when He gave Him the Eitzah, and he was told to do Mila. The, 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 the Gmedish tells us that our forefathers knew Kola Tera Kula the Fleshanitna. They knew the entire Tera before it was given. In that case, what was the difference, Matan Tera? What was so big about being Matan Tera if they knew everything already? And the difference is. That once the Almighty gave us the Teda, the Almighty nullified a decree. Until that point, there was a decree that El Yenim, the one what's above stays above and doesn't come below, what's below stays below and doesn't come above. Mm-hmm. This decree was nullified. Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to Sinai, the Almighty comes down to the mountain, everything turns over. And therefore, the Tate and the Mitzvahs have a different connotation to them. The forefathers knew all these Mitzvahs. The forefathers, our forefathers, connected to the Almighty through all these Mitzvahs in their way, in their form, in their fashion. And therefore, yes, he knew all the laws. Yes, he knew exactly how to perform the Brismila. And yes, he performed that bismillah perfectly on himself, on his son Yishmoel, and on his son Yitzchak. He was an expert. He knew what he was doing. Taste the So from here we have the Indian, the known Indian of the Saba Kadesh the Almighty, according to Tanya, the Altrever brings down that the Almighty had a taiva. What was his taiva? What did he want? He wanted to come to make a dwelling place on this world, on this earth. And therefore, the bris of Avram, got his card. You're a man. And the revelations that come about from it, in a way that is shaykh to a place, a physical place. <laughs> like the situation in the future. <coughs> Not only will the Almighty, the Jews serve the Almighty. But they will fix the entire world 
so that everybody works and come and unitedly serves the Almighty. So the beginning of the parasha, therefore, refers, makes reference to the bris of Avraham Avinu, and the bris, which is the ultimate gateway that brings together mankind and the Almighty through the pact, and the last words of the parasha as macho. Macha is an acronym in Rosh Tevis. Melech al kol ha'oretz. That the Malchuse of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not just Mugbeles Tavram Bnei Yisrael of Adam, not only belongs only to Avram and to the Jews, this is kol ha'oretz kula. The Almighty's reign is over the entire world. It's interesting that one of our future Hanukkah parties that are coming up, Mitch Hanukkah, is being held in an office with his Jewish workers and non-Jewish workers. So when I come to speak before Yom Tevim to the office, only the Jews come in, of course. I had, on occasion, one of the non-Jews would come in to hear what the rabbis has to say. Nobody's chasing him out. The Hanukkah party, I can't... Um, I can't uh, discriminate. I'm not calling it a holiday party. It's Hanukkah, and it's the third night Hanukkah. And it's going to be a Hanukkah party. Menorah lighting, with latkes, donuts, Hanukkah guilt, everything. And the invitation reads, the entire office. There's actually two different locations. And both locations are supposed to come to the one location. Everybody's invited. I'm not discriminating. If a guy has a title for a good latke, so be it. The only thing that would confuse the guy is how to enjoy the latke with sour cream or with applesauce. Kutzman, that would be all right. Avram Avinu, for those that keep your score at home, we're going to go to Masech the Seita, 17, side 1. Avram Avinu refers to himself, Vanechi Ofar Ve'efer. And but dust, says the Gemara, Bishar Sham Avram Avinu, Vanechi Ofar Ve'efer, in the merit of of Avram Avinu saying, I am Ofor Ve'efer. Zochu Bonov L'Shtei Mitzvah is Ofor Pora Ve'efer Seite. His children in the future merited to two mitzvahs. The mitzvah of the ashes of the Pora Aduma and the mitzvah of the ashes of the drink of the Seite. Ah? How is it a mitzvah? We'll soon hear. We know, of course, that Hakadosh Baruch Hu pays back schar, reward midah keneged midah. Also, Masechta Seita, we keep score at home. It was the beginning of the Masechta, eight side B Ches Amid Beis. If that's the case, we have to see the Efa Paraduma, the Efa Seita. 
the ashes of the heifer, the red heifer, and they have the sota, the wayward woman. How does this come about, the Aveda of Avram Avinu? Where does this fit into the service of Avram Avinu to God? We find what was Avram Avinu all about. Mesim Atzmei Kishirim. The beginning of Rosh Hashanah. The keeping score, Yudzayin, in the beginning, 17, top of the, bottom of the first number, the top of the, the second. He placed himself Everybody was perfect, nobody did anything wrong, and he always was hard on himself. So much so, that a person, or people, the three people, that he saw, were more important to him than talking to Shekhinah. Because in the Mitzvah, Nasser Again, on the bottom of Amr Aleph, he keeps going home in Shabbos 127. That even though the Erechim, even though the guests really were Arabs, and they bowed to the dust on their feet, that's why he insisted that they wash their feet before they come into his house, because they had served the sand as idol worship. But still, to him, this was more important than Kabbalah's Pnei and in merit of him making himself his self-nullification of Af of Eifer, for this he merited the two mitzvahs. Avraham Avinu was a very self-nullified person, but he had a a, a certain rules and regulations to him. Part of which is that you had to wash your feet off, and part of which was also, after eating, you had to bench. If you didn't, he offered, he asked you for an exorbitant price. You had to pay an exorbitant price for your meal. It's called a spade a spade. Your next, your next rest area is a good couple of miles from here. <laughs> I'm offering you an oasis. <clears throat> You're not getting this for miles to go. So either you abide with my rules, take I. Nobody is ready to walk away. I can well imagine the smell that wafted out of Avram's tent, no? There was constant barbecues going on over there. Ala Esh. 24-7. Oh yeah. Happening place. So the merit that <coughs> Avram Avinu <coughs> nullified himself by saying the Efer of the Pora. The Pora Duma had a very interesting mitzvah which we've discussed many times. The person that was involved with the Paraduma from beginning to end 
shkita, the spraying, the burning, etc. He himself became impure. The kayin that was doing this became impure. Which meant to say, as long as he's impure, he can't do any service in the temple. He has to walk out of the base of English. He can't be Tomei. But still in all, he puts himself aside, he puts his own honor aside, in order to help a fellow Jew. <coughs> in order to purify and elevate a fellow Jew. He doesn't even know the guy. But he's willing to become Tomei to make another Jew tire. And then we look at the Seita. When it comes to the Seita, they take a Pasha of the Teda. In that Pasha of the Teda is written God's name. Excuse me. And they scrape it off, they erase it, even God's name gets erased. What worse desecration is there to God than to erase His name from a Teda? Why does God say, do this, do this, please? So there should be peace between a husband and a wife. Only for Sholem Bayes. Again, we find this on Sector Shabbos, if you're keeping score at home. 116 side A. Kufta Zayin Even though ultimately, if this Ishid Seita was brought to task and was asked to drink, she obviously did not behave. She obviously did not act modestly. Even that immodest woman, God is concerned about. And God wants to make sure that things work out well. God wants to make sure that there's peace between the husband and the wife. So therefore God says, erase my name for that. So that there should be peace. So imagine, my dear friends, if the Almighty is prepared to have His name erased for peace, how important it is for us to put differences aside. Sometimes we have differences with our friends, with our neighbors, with our parents, with our in-laws, with our siblings. How much we need to put this aside because peace is what makes the world go round. Peace is what makes the world exist. And it's with peace that we will ultimately go to Yerushalayim Irakedesh, this very Shabbos, and we'll have a Yeda love Hashem, and they love being each and every Jew. The Almighty's revelation will be revealed, and the sun will be taken out of its shield, out of its cover, and we'll all sit in Yerushalayim Irakedesh, healthy, happy, and all those that need a fuus and yeshuas will be blessed and will be in Yerushalayim with Mashiach's Kenu Shabbat Shalom to all.